Welcome to episode 73 of the Juice Box Podcast. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Insulate, makers of the Omnipod. And the Omnipod, as you may know, is the world's only tubeless insulin pump. Not sure what to call this episode yet. May call it um, Diabetes Comes Whistling Down the Lane. Is that how that Oklahoma song goes? Oklahoma, where the wind comes. It's right behind the rain, not whistling down the lane. Anyway, uh, this is Tyler. He's in his uh, late 20s. He's 28. Was diagnosed at age 27. Tyler is going to really lay it all out there. He's going to talk to you about how most of the people in his family have type 2 diabetes, and he had resolved himself to thinking that that was going to happen to him. He's going to tell you how uh, his dad's type 2 diagnosis helped him figure out he had type 1. He's going to explain what a maple long john is, uh, and a lot more, actually. Um, Tyler's pretty great, and he, uh, he came on the podcast and really opened up and talked a lot about the fear that came to him when he was diagnosed, about how the spousal support worked with he and his wife, and just a lot of other great topics. So this is it. Episode 73 of the Juice Box Podcast. What do we call it? I don't know. I'm going to work the word like Oklahoma in, I think, though. All right, here we go. So my name's Tyler Nida. I'm from Tulsa, Oklahoma, or I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, and I'm from a small town in Oklahoma. So... Uh, I'm sorry if you can hear my dog barking. His arch nemesis, the mailman, is coming by. Don't worry, you'll hear our dog at some point. So, <laughs> okay. um, and so you're so you're in Tulsa now, but you're from a, a smaller town in Tulsa originally. Yes, I'm. I'm. In, I live in Tulsa now, um, but I'm from a town of about five thousand people called Perry, um, near Stillwater, Oklahoma, which is where Oklahoma State okay. University is. I see. And how old are you? I'm 29. Um, I was diagnosed in September when I was 28. My birth, my birthday was in February. Oh gosh, that's so very. It's very recent for you then. Yeah, seven seven months, going on seven or eight months now. Do you have uh, a history in the family of not just type one, but any endocrine issues? Uh, type two. I my dad's side of the family, pretty much everybody has type two. <laughs> You get, um, it's like a, it's like a, a part of your card when you're, when yeah, you're pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Um, and my cousin, my first cousin has type one diabetes now, or she's had it for about 20 years now. Okay. And was she diagnosed as uh, a younger person? Yes. When she was 11 or 12, she was diagnosed. Okay. Well, I'd say that runs in the family. Though. I would think so. And I, I kind of had the idea that I was going to get type two, um, once my dad was just diagnosed with type two in July of last year. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I kind of figured I would get type two and just, you know, diet and exercise and, you know, that kind of thing. And, and you didn't think you were going to get type two because of anything specific other than it appears to be a birthright in your family to get. Exactly. No, that's exactly right. right. And, and I was kind of prepared for it. And what actually brought on the diagnosis and probably saved my life was um, my dad had been diagnosed. I, I recognized the symptoms of diabetes, and um, I, I had a doctor's appointment scheduled just for a physical, just for a wellness checkup, because I get one free a year. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to check my blood sugar and my fasting blood sugar and say, you know, I'm just going to check it. I'll have a log whenever I go to the doctor and we'll, we'll go from there. So, and, so let me, I want to make sure I understand. So you're, you're seeing some, some of the telltale signs that your dad's living with, with type two, and you start recognizing some of them in yourself. Yes. Like what, I'd actually, which ones? Well, I'd actually been, let's see, it started, it started two years ago. Um, I dropped, I dropped about 30 pounds and, um, I dropped, I'd lost 30 pounds in about three to four months. Not but doing it, anything different? No, not doing anything different. But it happened at a time, I, I'm, I work manual labor, I'm a maintenance technician. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it happened, it started in the summer. And so I always lose weight in the summer because I work outside. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I just, I just put it towards that. I just put it to that. 
And then it just, you know, everything started to compound. I was, I was thirsty, but it was summertime. And so I was drinking a lot of water because it was 110 degrees here in Oklahoma. And so, you know, it all kind of played in with my normal routine, but it was just a little bit worse. Amped up a little bit more Amped than what up. we were expecting. Yep. By the way, um, if it gets to be 110 degrees anywhere, you should move. Right. I, I think that's too hot. <laughs> I grew up with it, you know, and, and we all just, in Oklahoma, you just kind of get used to it. And, and you know, it's not, it just turns into not that big a deal. You just learn to work around the heat of the day. That's amazing. Yeah. I, w- I was in Atlanta in July with my son last year. He was playing baseball. Oh. And at one point, without any, I had no nothing i had no self-respect left i was <laughs> hiding in the shadow of a telephone pole watching him play baseball and i'm not yes. yeah Any shade is is prime real estate <laughs> when it in the summer and it and especially in atlanta i mean the humidity in atlanta is probably outrageous it's talking about compounding things it was it was insanely hot and the humidity was terrible it was just uh, i, I yeah. don't know why I, I really i look at that and i think why is anyone here? Like this should be an, inhab- an you know, uninhabited portion of the country. <laughs> I was in the Coast Guard and stationed in New Orleans, and the humidity would be ninety percent, and the the temperature would be ninety five degrees, and it was just it was miserable. That just the great. temperature and the humidity compounded is just horrible. Well, well, so so to, to your point, then to being out in that kind of heat and to be exerting yourself, losing weight doesn't sound crazy. Being thirsty no, doesn't sound crazy. Right, right. It wasn't a problem. And then, and then winter came on and I always gain weight in the winter because I, I eat more to bulk up for, um, the cold weather cause it gets pretty cold here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I wasn't gaining the weight. I was still eating more but I wasn't gaining the weight, you know, all the typical signs of type one. Right. But, and I, but I didn't feel bad. That was the, that was the thing. I didn't feel bad. All these things were happening, but I didn't feel bad. Um, and I don't know whether, I don't know what the deal was. I just didn't feel bad. Well, once you got a meter in your hand and you tested, what was your fasting blood sugar? My fasting blood sugar, um, three days before, actually, yeah, three days before I went in the hospital, my fasting blood sugar was 336. And you didn't feel sluggish or cloudy or anything? Well, at that time I did. By then you did. Yeah. Um, this was probably a year, a year, year and a half after all the symptoms had started. Um, and I actually didn't realize that my, my dad didn't get diagnosed until the July before I got diagnosed. Um, so he's only had type 2 or, or he's only known he's had type two for, you know, almost ten months now. Yeah, not even a year. So you know, this is kind of a new family thing for he and I both. Right. Um, but it was just the it was the little things that started to add up. You know, throughout throughout the time, I had heartburn really bad, um, which was odd, and I haven't heard that symptom of of type one. But um, heartburn, I was lactose intolerant. Out of nowhere, like that didn't exist for you before? No, it oh. really didn't. Hmm. Um, and so I was, I was becoming more and more lactose intolerant. Um, I started to have pain in my eyes. It felt like my eyes were going to pop. Yeah, the pressure. It was weird, and they were very light sensitive. And then this was starting to compound closer to when I got put in the hospital. So when, um, when you walk into that well visit, do you lead with, I'm here to tell you I have type 1 diabetes? I actually never made it to that visit. Oh, okay. Um, I checked my blood sugar again, and it was 340-something. And my mom, my mom is an LPN, and so I just happened to call her that morning and just to talk and visit. And I told her what it was. And she said, you need to go to urgent care. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I still have to work. You know, I still have a full day of work ahead of me. <laughs> and Did your said, mom talk some sense to you? <laughs> well, she said, you, you need to go. And, you know, being a stubborn son, I kind of blew her off. And throughout the day, she texted me and told, kept telling me that I need to go. And she finally said, okay, after work, you, you have to make an appointment and go to the urgent care. Right. And so I did. I made it to the urgent care. And 
they checked my blood sugar at the urgent care. It was 360. And that was after a full day of work and, you know, lunch and just yeah. my normal routine. And I felt pretty bad that day, but I, I just felt tired, but I thought it was a, because I had a, I worked a nine hour day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the PA walked in, the physician's assistant walked in and said, okay, here, you need to take this. And the urgent care I went to is part of a hospital. And he said, you need to take this and go over to the ER. And I, I still was, was just puzzled. You know, I thought this is just type two. What's the big deal? And, um, got to the ER and they actually admitted me within 45 minutes of being at the ER. Yeah. I guess my signs were bad enough. My ketones were high enough and, and everything, my blood test, uh, were bad enough that they actually admitted me in front of people who were bleeding. They just rushed you ahead of people. And yeah. well, Tyler, it's interesting, isn't it? You were so prepared to have type two diabetes <laughs> that when you thought you had it, you weren't even like you weren't even like rattled by it. It didn't even, it didn't seem you're just, you know, just like, okay, here it comes. Just like, you know, yeah, exactly. And then, um, they admit, they get me into the ER. I hang out for a little while. My wife comes up to the hospital, um, to sit with me. And this is all, this is going on six or seven o'clock at night now. Okay. They admit me. I get a room. I eat a sandwich because they didn't have the cafeteria wasn't open. So I, you know, and I hadn't eaten and I said, can I have a sandwich or something? So I eat a sandwich, no insulin. Mm. You know, they haven't given me any insulin yet that, or any, yeah, yeah. anything like that. And a team of four doctors walked into my room and said, sit down in this wheelchair. We're taking you to ICU. Did you bring your sandwich? <laughs> yeah. No, I'd already eaten it. Oh, okay. So, so I couldn't wait until I, you know, now that I look back at it, I wonder if, you know, they checked my blood sugar when I got to ICU and it was probably out of the, you know, out of the park after eating white bread and, you know, and a bag of chips. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Um, um well, Jesus, that's crazy. So they get you up to ICU and then it's, it's kind of just how I remember my daughter being in probably you get IV, you yeah, fluid through IVs and flu- and, and and insulin that way, and, they're, and they bring, they bring your blood sugar down slowly. How long were you in the hospital? I was in the ICU for twenty eight hours, something like that, and they had me on an insulin drip and IV fluid. And at the same time, I was on the insulin drip. I was also on IV or saline fluid with glucose added to it, you know, just to keep me from just dropping everything balanced. Yeah. They, they, it seems very, and I don't obviously know the medical reasoning behind it, but it seems very important for them to titrate you down from a very high blood sugar. They don't right. want you to come down too quickly. That's for certain. Um, and so in the ICU, they check my blood sugar every 30 minutes. Okay. Which was horrible. Well, now I, that I do it so often now I look at it and I'm like, man, every 30 minutes for 28 to 30 hours, that was terrible. I ran out of fingers for them to stick. Um, but then I was in the hospital total for four days, um, you know, and I, in that four days, I took 22 bags of IV fluid. I was so dehydrated. Um, and the doctors told me, they said, we don't know how you were still up and moving around because you were so dehydrated. Yeah. Um, and I can, I can look at pictures of myself within that year to year and a half time span and I can see the weight falling off and you know I can see the transition mm-hmm. into type 1 diabetes when you look back on that moment when you were when you were there being diagnosed do you have photos of yourself right at that time I have a photo of myself in the hospital do, do with, you look back at it now do you look like you were dying yes yeah yes my cheeks were sunken in my eyes were sunken in. I looked physically tired. I mean, it was it was a change. It was wild. Yeah, it's such an interesting thing that I, I want people to understand is that when when changes like this happen to you so over time and incrementally, like even when you you, know, you look back later and you think, how did I not see this about myself? Right. Like I look at Arden and she just looked like a zombie. Yeah, but and that's exactly it. Yeah. yeah, and I was just like, no, no, no she's been sick. You, you, yeah. you know, and. Yeah. Yeah. And now I look and I was like, geez, anyone could look at this child and think, take it to the hospital, you know, and, and yeah, but absolutely. it just, when it happens slowly like that, it is very hard to detect. And it, and it's, it's hard to see from a, you know, it was hard for myself to see it. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, listen, it's the same reason we, when you, you, you lose a little weight and you look at somebody you live with and you're like, right, huh? And they're like, I don't know what right. you're talking about. Because, that's exactly how, right, that's exactly what happened. They're accustomed to seeing you all the time. So And and people at work asked me, they said, are you trying to lose weight? I said, I'm not trying, but I don't mind it. You know, I, I felt great. I looked good. You know, I had my six pack back. Yeah, that, that, and, that really is. The, and no kidding, too. Your vanity is really a part of it where you're like, oh, I... I <laughs> I just, you just think you're being paid back by karma all of a sudden. Right. Like karma's that's finally right. like, oh, this guy wasn't supposed to be chubby, and you know, like, and they give it because that's what I'm waiting for. You know, you know I'm waiting for right. the I'm waiting for the universe to figure out I'm a thin guy, and uh, so you know, and, and it was really crazy because I got out of the military, um, and I was healthy. I was completely healthy. You know, and you have to be healthy to join the military. Yeah, right. And I was healthy throughout the military. I got out of the military. And my wife and I moved to Tulsa. I was still healthy. We've been in Tulsa for about six years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I've been healthy. And, and, and then this change just all of a sudden just started. And, and it was, the, it was you're exactly right. You know, I, I lost the weight, but I still felt okay. And, you know, one day I got out of the shower and looked at myself in the mirror and said, man, good yeah i'm doing it right now everyone exactly that's exactly what it was and you know i'm an outdoorsman i love the outdoors i hunt fish avidly and just you know i just i love to hike and camp and i i really started to notice a difference in my performance um in the outdoors my walking ability um being able to walk um long distances without being tired um, cause there are some days hunting where I would walk five to six miles yeah. and not, and then be fine Didn't and be mind. just fine. Yeah. Um, and then there were, there was a morning, there was one morning in particular before I got diagnosed that I went hunting and you always get up really early and go, go out. And I was hunting for deer. Um, and I got up, had breakfast got in my deer stand and I wear a harness in my deer stand. Oh, I fell asleep in my deer stand because my, and I look at it now and it's because my blood sugar was so high. Yeah. It is hard to, I mean, high blood sugars are just, they're difficult on you. And, yeah. and I, I had eaten a maple long john, of course. And I was sitting in my deer stand and I fell asleep for an hour. You're going to have to, you're going to have to forgive me here. Maple long john. Yeah, I had a maple long john. Do you know what a maple I long john is? I have no idea what that is. That's why I'm okay, asking. Okay, so it's a donut. Um, it's a long, a long donut. It's a bar, a maple bar. Mm-hmm. Some people may call them maple bars, or but it has maple flavored frosting on it, like maple syrup flavored frosting. Okay. And there, it's just a. It's take a round donut and elongate it into a, a bar shape. Right. Pour sugar lo- over top of it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Put sugar just, on top of that. Yeah. 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 It's a, and I look at the carb count now. Now that I know how to count carbs, and it was probably a hundred. Right now, would you? So so okay. Jesus. All right. So so this is kind of takes you out of the blue, but almost doesn't because you were kind of waiting for type two diabetes, but you get type one instead. They get you when you leave the the hospital. Um, I, I was there any talk of like diabetes technology? Are you using anything now? I mean, are you finger? I am. I'm not using any technology right now other than just a finger stick, just a meter. A meter. Um, I'm on MDI. Right. Um, I'm using a Pedra Atlantis okay. as my 24-hour. Um, and, and right now with my job the way it is, I have done a lot of research. I am a gadget guru. I love gadgets. And so I've done a lot of research on pumps and, and uh, Dexcom and the Medtronic um, CGM. And right now, it's just not for me. I just thought I've thought about it, right. and with my job the way it is, um, I just feel like because I'm always lifting and moving things and carrying heavy loads, and I can just see myself ripping a pump off or ripping a, a side off pretty easily. And and I have control with with injections right now. Yeah, so listen, I mean, so I, so if it's you know, working for you, it's working yeah, for you. Yeah. Exactly, you know, and that's how I feel. I'm a creature of habit, um, and I, you know, being in the military, I get that regiment, you know, do the same thing every day. So then, my question is, and you don't have to answer. You could say I'm not going to tell you that, Scott. But I, I'm wondering when people say um, it's working for me, 
what like what does that mean and does that like like how are your a1c's or you know or what what are your right. sp- what are your spikes and lows look like like you know so what I mean? my last a1c which was done a month ago or a little bit less a couple weeks ago was a five no and are you having any crazy lows or i'm not having um uh, and and by crazy, the lowest I have ever been since I've been diagnosed, again, which is still only seven or eight months, right. the lowest I've ever been was 49. And okay. I felt terrible. I could feel it. It was bad. I kick sure, but, um, yeah. but I wasn't about to pass out or anything. It was just I knew it was bad, treated it. But that was actually two to three weeks after being diagnosed. Are you honeymooning by any chance? Or, or are you I, using it I, about I, as much I, insulin as they expect? I guess, I guess I'm honeymooning. Um, you know, it's it's hard to say. Everything that I've read says that a honeymoon can last anywhere from a couple months mm. to up to a couple years. Um, yeah, it right, really does all depend, I guess. You know, I guess it's up to my body. Um, right now, I'm um, I'm not having many highs. I guess the last time I had a high was I miscalculated some carbs and. Um, I was at like two thirty, so I gave a so I gave a correction dose, and you know it brought me back down, and I was was fine. So you're you're shooting insulin for meals, for instance, and then how far after that insulin do you look to see what your blood sugar is? Uh, two hours. I do the I do two to two and a half hours. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, I think it's a good gap. And I I really um, I've changed my diet quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I I was a a meat and potatoes kind of guy. I grew up on a farm and, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, and so I've actually almost cut potatoes completely out of my diet. They're tough to, uh, um, to manage. Yeah. That's for sure. I figured out how to bolus for French fries though, from Chick-fil-A. <laughs> oh, that's so, important. <laughs> you know, and so that's my, that was a big deal for me. I love the waffle fries from Chick-fil-A. So <laughs> that's my, that's my one thing. I, I'll, I do that. Um, so just, you know, learn for me, it was a whirlwind. I knew I was probably going to get some form or type two diabetes mm-hmm. just from family history. Yeah, no, you had that feeling, right? Yeah. But the type one diagnosis, it was hard. It was, it was hard to take just because of the, um, well, you probably felt it too with your daughter. It was just the chronic lifelong. It just felt like it was a you know, a death sentence is it, what it felt is what it felt like. It's so interesting that that type two doesn't didn't feel like that to you. I think that's indicative of how um, people who don't have type two diabetes can easily marginalize what it is. Like absolutely, you, you know, yeah. and it's just like, oh, I, I'm going to get that. That's uh, that's the that's the point in my life when I'll stop drinking soda and I'll have to yeah. take that pill. Yeah, yeah, and and obviously that's not now that your father has it. Now you see that's not what it is. Exactly. You know, and it's a little closer to you, so you can see it better. But at the same time, people from the outside are always going to feel like that that poor disease, you know, type two diabetes, has just been, you know, over time and and without you know properly people properly understanding it. it it's what's, it's what's thought of as the common cold. Like that's you exactly know. what yeah, it is. Yeah. I was about to say that socially, it's acceptable. I mean, it's. You know, overweight people get type two diabetes. That's what they. That's what everybody says. That's what everybody thinks. Very oversimplified. Yeah, no, yeah. I know. And 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 so, you know, and now that I have type one and um, have learned how to count carbs and and learned about the glycemic index, I mean, it's just a crazy amount of information that I've absorbed just from this diagnosis. Now I'm, you know, trying to help my dad with you know, with his, with his stuff. And how is that he, going? Is he, is he receptive to it? He is. He's very receptive to it. And, and he, um, he is a very active guy. He owns his own business, um, doing a form of construction. And so he is very active. He's always been active my whole life. We've always been outside, played, you know, played sports and stuff. Um, and so it's not, it's actually, he's doing very well with it. And it's mainly because of his activity and his, and his eating habits that he's able to, you know, have control. What's he doing for medication? Do they have him on metformin or? Uh, he was on metformin. Now he's using, um, 
He was on Comba Glies also. And now I think he's on Genuvia. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of new drugs coming out right now. Yeah. And so, um, and I really haven't done a whole lot of research on, on any of those. Um, but I guess my biggest thing is um, information for me is, is the biggest key in learning about, learning everything I can about, you know, uh, carb counting and, and learning about, um, just like your interview with um, the doctor that wrote Sugar Surfing. Uh, Dr. Ponder, yeah. Dr. Ponder, I mean, just learning everything I can about type 1 diabetes and how to help myself manage it will make it easier. Well, it won't, you know. Yeah, yeah, you have listen, you have to have the information because it's a it you're you're being asked to do things that without enough information you're you're at best doing halfway, you right. know, and at that point you're putting all that effort into it anyway. Not to get the result you're looking for seems, you know, it, it just takes the life right out of you. You might as well yeah. get all the information and get, get the result you're looking for, and at least the, your effort gets rewarded then. Right. Let me and ask I, you, I was going to ask ahead. you, when you when you listen to Dr. Ponder talk about about bumping, like, the, the CGM line around and things like that, and you say you're a tech person, it makes you want a glucose monitor, but you're uh, having yeah. trouble trying to imagine it in your life. Uh, actually, um, I... I went through the process, got approved by my insurance, got approved by Dexcom and, and had everything set up. And I just, you know, one, the cost. Um, and my insurance is going to pay up to 80% okay. of the cost of the, the Dexcom. But you still have to pay the other 20. I have to pay the other 20. Yeah. And, and my wife and I are very um, budget oriented. And um, at right now with, with the control that I have, and I probably am still honeymooning. Mm -hmm. And with the control that I have right now, I just really can't see a need for it. Um, and um, with my A1C, like it is, I think I'm doing. I think I'm doing okay. And and I, and my wife and I have talked quite a bit. And if we ever see the need for it, then you know we you both decided, hey, it'll be great. We'll get the Dexcom and we'll go from there, from there, from there. Um, but I like to learn about those things. And, and if I can learn about it and learn how to use it before I even get it, then I, yeah, I may be able to help someone else who has a Dexcom just from something that I read. Say, yeah. hey, you know, you'll also this. be able to adapt some of the ideas without the technology. Like, for instance, I have no idea about this, but I'm going to ask you when you're having a meal, do you shoot your insulin prior? Do you dose yourself prior to the meal or do you do it right when you start eating? No, I dose it. It depends on what my blood sugar is. Sure. Um, I check, I always check at least 15 minutes before the meal, 10 to 15 minutes before the meal. And if I'm over 130, then I also, then I, I will bolus then for the meal. Yeah. Um, and 10 to 15 minutes before the meal. Yeah. See, but, and, but that, and, and that is something I would assume you, you've picked up from looking for information that I don't, absolutely. your doctor yep. didn't tell you to do that. I would imagine. No, yeah. no. Cause <laughs> when I left the hospital, and I'm sure you got this too, and I'm sure a lot of people get it, and I hope more people get education before they better education before they leave the hospital. And I actually got great education before I left. Um, but it was you are a one to fifteen carb ratio. You only need to inject insulin right when you have the meal in front of you, and um, you should always eat seventy five grams of carbs, seventy grams of carbs before you or for every meal. Wow. Yeah, that that's sounds what, like fun. You know, that's what I got. That's what I got when I left the hospital. There goes that donut. Right. <laughs> and, and I knew, I knew, and it, I will say that the type one diagnosis was really hard for me. Sure. Um, cause I, I've, I've done, I've had a, I, well, I still have a great life, but I, I'd had a, a lot of fun and I've always been a, a tough guy and always, um, pride, had taken pride in, being a tough guy and being, you know, that was being in the military, um, boy scouts, I'm an Eagle scout. And so, you know, it's always been a manly man. And that's how I grew up too on the, on a farm was manly man, that kind of thing. You push so through have, things. You don't, you absolutely. don't succumb to small pains and things absolutely. like that. And, and that's probably why my, um, symptoms went as far as they did. Yeah. 
And I, I will say that's probably a lot of that. Tyler, I, I didn't, I'm, I'm not from a military family, but I, I grew up in a blue collar household in, you know, on the East coast around Philadelphia. And I think sometimes if it wasn't for growing up like that, trying to parent someone with diabetes would have killed me by now, but there's just yeah. moments when I refuse to give up and, but you I do think, look back sometimes and you see that that refusal to take care of yourself, it, it you know, it takes a toll on you at some point. Absolutely. Too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so that just, you know, that stuff just, I will, it has helped having, having that background has helped with the, the diagnosis, but it was, it was hard for me. After the break, Tyler will talk about his difficulties that he, uh, that he came across and how he got over them and a bunch of other stuff. But first, Hey, 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 what's that music? Listen, that's the ad music, baby. Okay, so I'm going to tell you a story for an ad. So last weekend, Arden and her teammates won the New Jersey Little League State Championship. That's not the story. The story is that the championship game was not close to our house, about an hour and a half ride. So Arden and her teammates all got into their coach's cars, and they headed up the turnpike. I was not with her. Arden's blood sugar when she left was not optimal because of an earlier lunchtime meal that didn't go well, insulin-wise. So I'm now texting Arden, hey, bolus this much, bolus this much. When they get to the field, they want to have a snack before the game. The girls have a snack. I'm able to give her more insulin. Now she's gotten insulin three or four times now. No needles, you know, nothing like that because of the Omnipod. Easy to, to make small adjustments to her blood sugar. So now here we are, about an hour before the game is going to start and Arden's blood sugar is right where I want it. This is where the Omnipod becomes indispensable. If you were using an insulin pump that isn't the Omnipod, you would be disconnecting to play softball or to play your any of your sports because you're not going to run around with your insulin pump all hanging off of you with the tubing going everywhere. But that's not a problem with Omnipod. So for the next three hours, Arden played in a softball game, celebrated afterwards with a cupcake, and did all those things, all those things with her blood sugar between 80 and 110 because she was able to get insulin while she was being active. Arden required a bolus and a temp basal during that game to keep her blood sugar like that. It was so easy with the Omnipod. Just go to myomnipod.com forward slash demo and try out the free non-functioning demo pod. You will not be sorry that you did it. There's links in the show notes too. myomnipod.com forward slash demo. Come on, go. Go now. Do it. Well, after the podcast. Yeah, I want to I ask you a little bit about that though. When you say it was really difficult for you, is there an example or two that you have of, of how it struck you and why, why it was so difficult? Um, I... I guess um, it was now this is I for me it was it's lifelong that was the hardest thing for me to accept was this is forever but you didn't think about type 2 that way Uh, I did but you know since society has um, basically taken the um, edge off of type 2 you just, that, I guess I should say. Yeah, that felt like you just had to take a vitamin or something like that. That's exactly well, what it was. Yeah, you it wasn't going to be that You take bad. a pill right, right. and you'll, you'll be fine. Yeah, I get and that. I, and I was uneducated. I will say that I was uneducated mm-hmm. about both types of diabetes. Um, I had only had a little bit of exposure to type 1 diabetes through my cousin and through a, a good friend of mine. He has type 1 also. But I'd only had very, I've had very little exposure to type 1 and what it's all about. So the, the fear of like the fear of, I guess, like a low blood sugar to becoming unconscious, like that, that stuff's not in your head about type two, but now with type one it is. And plus you add, and I don't know, I'm supposing here for you, but I know for me, like once you add the injection aspect to it, it goes from feeling like something you take care of at home to something that should be being taken care of in a hospital. But since you can't live your whole life in a hospital, you have to bring the hospital home with you. That's right. Right. And I, when I left the hospital, I was scared. Yeah. I will say it. I, I will say I was scared. Um, we went to the, we went to Walgreens pharmacy. We picked up my insulin and, um, not thinking about it. We didn't get, uh, needles. We didn't get pen. We, I got, I'm on pins. I don't have, I don't have syringes. But we didn't get the pin needles, so we can't. Because in my mind, but you didn't have the caps for them, right? In my mind, it should come with them, right? You know, that should be in the same box as the as the pins. You should get needles along with it. Didn't even think about it. Get home. It's six o'clock at night, and I get home, open the box, ready to eat dinner. 
and don't have any needles. Okay, so it's back to Walgreens. And it's just, I mean, it was, I was scared. Didn't, uh, you know, but with support from, I have to give it to my wife. She supported me so much. And it was, it was amazing what she did for me sleeping in the hospital. You know, while I'm in ICU, she's sleeping on a little chair right next to my bed, you know, and that, and that kind of thing. And then when I get home, you know, it's okay, grab this, grab this, grab this. And with, along with me learning everything about it, she's having to learn it all too. Yeah. Plus I think it's funny. We don't talk about it as much, but for the person, for the other person, whether it's a parent or a spouse or something like that, yeah, it's maybe it sounds a little harsh, but when you when you get married, it, you know you say till death do us part. You say for richer or for poorer, yeah, but yeah. you don't really think you're going to end up living in a cardboard box when you say that. That's you know right. you don't you don't really think that the guy next to you is going to suddenly need insulin all the time. You know to stay exactly alive. Exactly right. And, That's and exactly. Right. It's a test of. It really is a test of your. Of, your connection at that point, mm-hmm. you, you know, and, and I'm assuming that that's some of the fear for you that maybe you looked over at her at one point and you thought, you know, maybe, maybe she's going to take off, well, you, <laughs> you, you know, or maybe, you know what I, I, I remember saying to my wife, like, do you think this will break up our marriage? You know, <laughs> you know, when our daughter got diabetes, like, do you think this will add enough stress and terror to our lives that it'll have a, a blowback effect on our relationship? Like, you know, like, could be, yeah. you know. It's, the, yeah. The one thing I can say is, is uh, our marriage has been tested and tried um, just from um, me being in the Coast Guard. Yeah, the military service, I would imagine. Um, she, yeah. uh, when we got married, I had, I had about two years left in the military when we got married, year and a half to two years. Uh, we got married. I had 20 days of leave. Um, I came home. We got married. We loaded up all her stuff. She moved down to New Orleans with me, and then we were together in New Orleans for about three or four days, and then I had to leave to go to a week-long training. And she's there by herself. By herself. Yeah. Never been to New Orleans. Never, you know. Yeah, your wife's a tough guy, too, then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so she, she, she can already put up. She knows how to put up. Then. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, and so then, and then throughout that year that we were married, I was um, deployed and in training for a good 150 days um, in just that year, the, the first year that we were married. Mm-hmm. Um, so our, we had been tested. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and I will say that, that that probably helped us a lot because, sure. you know. Yeah, but, yeah absolutely. Listen, so, every, 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 you know, thing you go through builds you for the next one. That's for certain. Right. Yeah, that's you exactly know. right. That's, that's, so, we, so we got home from the hospital and there was some, there was some sitting in the bed and hugging and crying. Oh, are you kidding me? I, I'm waiting for the next time I cry. And it's been a decade for me. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, it, it hits was, you out of nowhere sometimes. Yeah. So, so okay. So you're, you sound like you're doing great. You're probably still honeymooning. You're not sure. You've looked into the technology. You don't think it's right for your lifestyle. You're not ruling it out, but at the same time, it's not a right now thing for you. Um, the fear has it begun to dissipate as you learn more. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't, I guess, you know, um, I hear a lot of people talk about being scared of lows. Um, and, and listening to your podcast about when you did the episode on uh, bold with insulin, that to me, I, when I first left the hospital, I was scared, you know, don't want to go too low. Don't want to go too low. Um, and I, and I know being low is not good. It is not a good thing at all. Yeah. And it is dangerous. But like um, I've read, and it's easier to catch a low than it is to bring down a high. Yeah. yeah the highs are tough. You really battle with the hours and hours of your life are gone. And, you know, yeah, and, yeah. Um, and so for me, and, that, and I test probably seven times a day. Nah, seven, that eight, seven, eight I, times a day. I would say when Arden was MDI, we were nine, you know, but she right. was really little too. So that and, seems right. And so um, I test before I drive to be safe. Mm-hmm. Um, I test 
um, before I do any strenuous activity at work, I try to, I take a test, test in. Um, and, and for me, if I'm below 80, I have a snack. I just have a small four, four gram snack and just almonds something. are, yeah. almonds are my go-to thing. Yeah. Almonds and peanuts are my go-to thing. Just to kind of bump you up a little bit. If you know you're about to go for a drive, you know, you're about exactly. to really pour it on at work and things like that. How about the guys yeah. you work with that? I'm interested in that. Have they, how are they? Because I, you know, I've worked with guys before in situations mm-hmm. where I'm assuming is pretty similar to the one yours, yours is in. And, and uh, I'm interested if they're, I mean, did, did you tell them about it? I mean, are they on the lookout for you or is yeah, it? Yeah, um, I actually went, we have a, a meeting every Friday morning at work. Um, I work at a, a plant nursery, a retail plant nursery. Um, and so I, I got with everybody who's normally around me um, on that Friday morning meeting. And I said, look, just to let you all know, I've been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. I'm on insulin. Um, if I start talking funny, like I'm drunk, if I'm not making sense, or you see me stumbling around, um, something like that, if I'm just doing something that is abnormal for me, I need you all to come to me and sit me down and help me test my blood sugar and get me some sugar. You know, and I, I just went through everything with them. And, and to me, I'm not embarrassed about it. It's not a big deal to me. Right. Um, the more that people know that I have it that are around me, the safer I'm going to be. And, and you know what, maybe they will recognize symptoms in someone else, um, for low blood sugar or even for type one diabetes. Yeah. That, that would definitely be my hope is that you create, you know, advocacy and, and understanding in a wider way. Plus you keeping yourself safe. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And, I, I think it's great. And so, you know, I, that was one thing that I tried to do at work was, and I, you know, and I'm not scared to talk about it at all. Anybody, and I told them, if you have questions about it, ask me. Feel free to ask me. I don't care. And if I don't know, I'll find out. Yeah. Um. You know, and I, and you know, that's been a big deal to me at work and at home and with any of my friends and family. If they have questions, I said I'm. I don't care. Just ask me. Um. It's not a big deal. Good for you. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, a lot of people, I, I understand when nobody, when people don't want other people to know, but almost like with the technology, I'm not, you know, you're an adult, you don't need me telling you about what you, you know, should be looking into and not looking into. But I think that sort of like with the technology, being open with it, you know, if it seems like you don't want to be open in the beginning, once you do it, it's not really, it's not the thing you were scared of once you do it, yeah. you, you, yeah, you know, and, and so it's it's very worthwhile, even for just your own personal safety. You know, you don't need to be running around trying to create advocacy. You, that's not your job if you don't want it to be. Right. But, but just for yourself, you know, so the people around you can say, hey, you know, Tyler looks, I've never seen him do that before. Like, maybe we should just go check on him real quickly. That's exactly, that's exactly Without right. them feeling uncomfortable. Because, because it, it could be that somebody would see you doing that and just you know, out of discomfort, just not, not approach you. And then you could end up being in a problem situation. So, and I, I keep a bottle of glucose tablets in my truck. I keep one in my desk, you know, and I, and I, you know, I told everybody, I said, look, a soda works, juice works. I said, some sugar. That's, that's what I need. And, and, and that's, um, that was a big deal to me because it's a, and especially to stay, to stay safe at work um, because I do operate machinery, not all the time, but it is part of my job. I operate machinery, mm-hmm. have pretty heavy machinery, um, and I use power tools. And Yeah. Um, okay, no one wants to look up and see Tyler slumped over a front end loader coming up. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, and a, for, a forklift going crazy. Yeah, 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 right. Um, but, uh, and so I just tried to tell everybody at work what's going on. And then, um, and then with the, again, with the, the technology, I really, I, I love technology. I built robots in high school. I just think it's awesome. And yeah. I, um, the advances in technology that we're doing is, is amazing. Um, 3d printing and just, you know, everything that, that we're, that we're doing right now. And, and with the diabetes technology, I think it's amazing. I, I'm about to interview somebody who programmed their own artificial pancreas, um, software oh that's so, really yeah, cool took their glucose monitor and their pump and then they 
they wrote the uh, the code for the the artificial pancreas for them. I mean, I I listened to the podcast about um, Bigfoot Biomedical. Yeah, and that was that was really cool. The minute that that podcast ended for me, I went and jumped on the internet and started looking up them because I think that's awesome. I think what they're doing is really cool. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, they they just put out a. Uh, I saw them publish a, a picture recently and you know, all their, all those guys, kids are using the, the setups and stuff like that. People in their family and all their blood sugars are like between 90 and 110. And you know, ma- awesome. you know, it makes this statement about like, this is where it expects your blood sugar to be in the future and stuff like that. It's really, it's very, it's very exciting. I mean, I'm not, you know, I, I'm genuinely not trying to talk you into anything, but I guarantee you, when you want to do it, if that time comes, you'll make it work. I wouldn't be worried about the kind of work you do. Right. You, you know, there are other people doing the same things. There's people playing oh, yeah. fairly strenuous sports. They're getting knocked around and everything. And, you know, you, you'd make it work. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, hearing you talk about Arden wearing the Omnipod while she plays softball and and generally being a kid, you know, I can remember when I was – well, uh, when I was younger, you know, just playing rough and doing all that stuff and, yeah. you know, playing baseball and stuff like that, you know, and just hearing about her wearing the Omnipod and doing that sort of thing. That, that to me says a lot about, you know, the Omnipod and the technology. How it works. I, for me, it's when I was talking to Victor Garber and he brought up how, you know, People kept telling him, you, you know, you should get an insulin pump. You'll be able to do more with it, you know, uh, manipulate your basal rates, you know, bolus a couple times without shooting insulin if you need to for meals. And he said he was very resistant. He said, you know, same thing. He had diabetes for a very long time and it was a creature of habit and didn't want to do it. And then he said, I feel, I feel like his almost word for word is what he said. And then just like everything else in life, after I got an insulin pump, I thought, what was I worried about? Yeah. You, you know, and it, there's a lot about life like that where you... You could talk yourself out of anything if you try hard enough. You, Absolutely. You know, so. And you can justify just about anything. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, by the way, I cannot stop thinking because I worked in a sheet metal shop when I was a teenager and in my early 20s. I cannot stop thinking about how the um, uh, a forklift, because they steer in the back with that tight radius. I uh-huh. have this amusing image in my head of you just a little like a little <laughs> low, just spinning in circles on a forklift. <laughs> you don't have to be low to spin in circles. It's fun. It's just fun. Whether, yeah, it's yeah. fun whether you're low or not. <laughs> um, and I, I train people how to drive the forklift. That's one of my jobs at at work is yeah. to, is to teach people how to drive the forklift. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a fun machine to drive. I've had a lot of fun in my past doing it, honestly, yeah. to be perfectly honest. Although you're moving around plants, which is a bit of my my personal hobby. I was moving sheet metal around, which was not quite as uh, not quite as exciting. But uh but that's amazing. Tyler, you just yeah, man, I don't know, like seven months, right? It's not it's just not that long. It, can no. I can I ask you this? How long are you married in total? Uh we've been married for seven years now. And you're in, you're just about in your late part of your twenties. So mm-hmm. Have you been talking about having kids? We have. We've talked about it um, since we first got married. And is um, this changing anything about that conversation? It changed a little bit. And we just had that talk about uh, a month ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it I brought up in my mind, um, and I know they say type 1 is not genetic, but there's more and more that I'm reading this that shows that, you know, maybe not my kids, but my grandkids. Yeah. I would stop you, Tyler. I'm, I'm not a doctor as you'll hear me say over and over again, but I think that, um, I think that if you look a little harder, you type one diabetes is definitely genetic. It, it, right. it, it definitely is passed through, um, in, in that way you'll see it run. I mean, it, not always, right? Like sometimes it'll mm-hmm. just pop up out of nowhere, but that doesn't mean it's not in your, in your bloodline somewhere. It just means you can't identify it in your bloodline right. somewhere. Right. And, and you know, and, and and what and what my train of thought was, do I really want to pass this disease on? You know, do I do I want to continue this, you know, this disease through um, natural childbirth? We we know we want to have children, mm-hmm. and we we know we want to be parents. But um, the biggest thing for me was, do I want to keep this going? Um, should we adopt? And so we've talked about adoption and stuff like that. But I have to tell you, I think that some people would think that you shouldn't worry about that. And I would think some people would think you're completely justified. I see both sides of the argument. Mm-hmm. And I think, 
I think that's a completely justifiable statement. I've said it here before. I'm pretty sure if Arden doesn't get type one diabetes, my wife and I might have been we might have been thinking about a third baby. Mm-hmm. But and it wasn't so. It, I don't want to say it wasn't so much. I think in my mind, I don't want to speak for my wife. I guess is what I should say. But in my mind, I kind of thought the same thing. You know, like gosh, I don't want to. I don't want to do this to another person, you know, yeah. and even yeah. though it's, you know, but if, if the mixture of my wife and I, you know, could make a baby that has type one diabetes, but at the same time, now here's the other side of the argument. I look at my daughter, 12 years old, living a perfectly Absolutely. normal life with type one diabetes. And I think Absolutely. at the same time that that concern was ridiculous. I could yep. have 50 babies that have type one diabetes. What would be the problem? And then I talked to, uh, from the Oakland A's, I talked to Sam Fold a couple weeks ago, and mm-hmm. he's just had another baby, and he he never once thought about it. And it's interesting because I wonder how your thinking will change over time once you've had type one longer. Right. That's the thing I'm. And I don't know the answer to that question. I've been you don't either, but I wonder if we ask you that question again in a couple of years if you don't answer it differently. That's and what. and you know I um my wife is of the thought well. Let's cross that bridge when we get there. Mm-hmm. You know, she says, what if they don't? You know, what right. if our kids don't get type 1 that diabetes? That simple. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, and I said, and, and that is very valid, and, and we will continue talking about it. And I am not, I am not complete, I am not against having, having children, right. natural you know, natural children. But I'm right now a, you're just, you're just examining all the aspects of the Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, um, listen, you can trick her into anything. You got her to move to New Orleans and then live by herself. So that's right. She, <laughs> yeah. um, so I can't get I, my wife to go across the street, by the way, that's the difference <laughs> between before you're married and after you're married, <laughs> you know, and it, and that was probably, we were still in the honeymoon period when, you know, when, yeah. when she moved down to New Orleans. She's like, it'll be great till like the third day she was by herself. And oh, you were yeah. gone. <laughs> that's exactly right. It'll be great. Okay. I'm going to see you in a month, yeah, yeah. you know, and that's, and that's, that happened a couple of times. No, no, um, I, I guess with the military, that is what happened. So, yeah. But I, w- I will say, um, a big, a big thing that has helped me a lot was a local group that I joined at the type one support group. Mm-hmm. Um, and just being around other people that have type one and hearing their experiences and hearing, okay, this is how you bolus for pizza. It's you incredibly know, helpful. Getting and, and for me, it's getting back to a normal lifestyle. Um, and I, I have a, a great life and I'm, I'm living a great life. I still get to hunt. I still get to fish. I still get to be outdoors which I love to do. Right. I just have to add another thing to it. And, and the more I'm doing it, you know, the repetition, 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 practice makes perfect, you know, that sort of thing, you know, the more you do it, the easier it will get most of the time. I know there's still going to be those curveballs that get thrown at me with type one, but you know, with experience, you will learn how to deal with those things. Tyler, I don't even have to talk. You obviously have been listening to the podcast. I could just let you go on by yourself. I completely yeah. agree with everything you're saying. I, I will tell you that last night, um, there was an unfortunate accident in my town last week where the superintendent of our schools, uh, a man who lives locally and is, is just very well loved in the town was uh, struck while jogging and he was killed. And, mm-hmm. and last night um, at, a, at a lacrosse game at our high school, his youngest son is on the lacrosse team. And so it was a big event here in town where, you know, his son came back and and people were coming in from other towns and the stadium was completely full. And at the last minute, Arden says, you know, me and my friends, we want to go to the lacrosse game. So I had already had something planned. My wife was already working. We couldn't go with her. and I didn't want to say no. And so on, at the last minute, and something that I think people who parent kids with type one diabetes would find hard to believe that this could work in your life. But at the last minute I wasn't home. I was at my son's baseball game when she texted me, can I go to the lacrosse game? I I told her no problem, you know, go ahead and get a shower. She just got back from practice. I get a shower, be ready when I get home and I'll take you over there. And I drove her and a couple of friends to the school. I dropped them off. She had a juice box, two packs of fruit snacks and you know, her, her phone, where I can see her blood sugar. And mm-hmm. believe it or not, we put an Apple watch on her girlfriend 
who pays more attention to stuff like that than Arden does. So I said, hey, if, <laughs> if Arden doesn't text me, it'll it'll like kind of tap you on the wrist if she doesn't answer me after a while. I said, you know, make her text me back if she did. I only spoke to her once, two and a half hours later, when she said, hey, can you come get us now? Other That's than awesome. that, it was fine. She had a soft pretzel while she was there. That's you know, awesome. like, like like you know, like that kind of stuff. It's not, it's not not doable. You, mm-hmm. you know, it just like you said, it just takes practice and time, and then all of a sudden, things that seem very very impossible are 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 not even an issue anymore. And and on the fly, like I can't yeah. even tell you that that didn't really that didn't slow my life down at all. I I didn't have to right. stop to make these decisions. I did them while I was doing other things. So yeah, and and you know, you know, back to the kids thing. And if a child, if my child does get type one diabetes, mm-hmm. you know, by the time that we have kids, the technology could be okay. We put the artificial pancreas on them, and we're we're good to go. And that's the end of it. And and listen, I, you know, I can tell you as a person who has two kids and has been alive, coming up on almost twice as long as you have been. You know, maybe not quite, but but close enough to make me feel really old when you tell me you're only in your late twenties. <laughs> Something's gonna happen in life, man. You, oh, you, yeah. know, you know what I mean? So if you sit still and wait for something that's going to go exactly right, you, you'll never do anything. So, no. Go ahead and have your baby. So, <laughs> yeah, no. You know, every, right now everything's going good. Yeah. I have I have pretty good control. You know, I still have still have those moments where you're just like, I don't know what happened. You know? <laughs> you know? Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. You know, the other day I had a cheeseburger and some, and I had French fries. And I bolused what I thought was the proper amount, but apparently that wasn't the proper amount. And I was at like 280, okay. you know, and, and, it, you know, then, and that was like, oh my goodness, I don't know what I did. So, but, it, and it wasn't, it wasn't like I knew the carb count, but I had been my, I guess my body had started producing insulin, you know, that week. And so I had lowered my normal insulin dose my carb count, my insulin to carb ratio went up All or went, yeah. went down. I was, yeah, I was at like a one to 15 at that time. And so I gave, I gave a one to 15 insulin to carb ratio for that burger and fries. Apparently I should have been giving a one to 10 insulin to carb ratio. Yeah. Or who knows the bun might've been a little harsher than you were used <laughs> to. And it's, yeah. listen, Arden, Arden grew, <laughs> obviously grew over the last couple of nights and her blood sugar was getting higher at three o'clock in the morning. Then last night, out of nowhere, whatever was going on stopped, and and I couldn't get her. I fought to keep her blood sugar above sixty-five all night last night, and then finally at like seven in the morning, I got it to go up, and then it just went the other way, and I barely touched her with food with the carbs. You know what I mean? And then yeah. boom, now she's one seventy, and she's late for school because I wanted her blood sugar to come up before she left for school. And she says to me, well, hey, since I'm, I'm late, I'm, you know, I'm going to get something to eat. And I had to get her out of the door. But I was like, why didn't you tell me that 15 minutes ago? I said, we, now we can't really pre us. I can't wait. And I was like, well, I don't want you not to do it. And then, you know, go ahead and take the food. I gave her the insulin. And now this whole day has been a mess because I can't find – every time I find level ground, it was t- it's time to eat again. You, you, you know, and <laughs> – it happens to everybody, man. Like you can do as well as you. Arden's last day one C was six, and still, it you know you can do everything right, and still the life part of it can get in the way and, and mess up your decisions. And yeah. dude, you sound like you're doing great. You really do. I'm. We're coming up on an hour. I don't want to. Uh, I, I I know you made time for this during the day, which I really appreciate. But but it sounds like you're doing fantastic. I I hope you check back in. I'd love to hear how it goes. You know, in the future too. Yeah, I definitely will. And I, you know, I really appreciate everything that, that you're doing for the, for the community. I say the community, I've been a part of it for seven months now, but you know, everything that I've heard from your podcast has been just great. And then, you know, being part of a type one group in my area is a huge help. Um, and just being around other people that have type one and, and learning from them. There's a few people in the group that are in their 60s and 70s and have had type one for 50 years and have no complications and just, um, it's amazing. And the, one of the ladies just got her pilot's license and she has type one diabetes. They must have a wealth of information for you right there. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's really cool. Well, Tyler, I, I genuinely appreciate you coming on. And I now, at the very least, I got to hear back when you decide to have a baby or not or adopt or whatever. I, I definitely want to. Please keep in touch. Absolutely, yeah, I will. And good, I really want to wish you good luck. All right. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for coming on, man.
As always, nothing you hear on the Juice Box Podcast should be considered medical advice or advice of any kind at all. This is a podcast, not a not an advice thing. It's a podcast. Okay. Thank you so much to Omnipod for sponsoring the podcast because we wouldn't be able to come and not give you advice about living with type 1 diabetes if it wasn't for the support of Omnipod. So everybody, yay! Check out myomnipod.com forward slash demo or the links in the show notes to find out more about the world's only tubeless insulin pump. Hey, how about Tyler, huh? How how great was he? I just, Maple Long John made me want a donut talking to him. All right, listen, I know this, um... I know this episode's a little late, but as I said earlier, Arden's team uh, was busy over the last 10 days uh, preparing for and playing in the New Jersey State Little League softball tournament. They are champions in 2016. They won the whole thing. And so we're very proud of her. And at the same time, that's why you didn't get a podcast. So blame her if you're upset. Also, if you go to my Arden's Day Facebook page or the Juicebox Podcast Facebook page, uh, you can see a great picture of Arden getting a hit in that tournament. Uh, find me on social media or on the Facebooks and etc. And by the way, I'm going to put out another episode really quick because I owe you. See you soon.